Blog Talk Radio. Uh, billionaire, and uh, a guy named 
about that last night. Um, well, New Jersey State AFL-CIO makes history with a record number of labor candidates elected. Democrats expand assembly majority. The New Jersey State AFL-CIO's political education program is second to none, and the outstanding results of the November 3rd election keep our momentum strong heading into the 2016 presidential race. We led union brothers and sisters to victories across the state from the school board and town council races to mayor, freeholder, and state assembly seats. A record 47 union members won their elections, a phenomenal win ratio of 73% for labor candidates on the ballot. That's pretty good. Uh, let's see what else. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, What's more important, family or a few extra bucks? In our regular feature, will they take a look at the winners and losers of the week, who supports uh, workers and working families, and who works against them? Let's see. The winner, Tucson taxi drivers, after the Na National Labor Relations Board ruled that they are employees and not independent contractors and that they can move forward with a union organization drive. Run them up. Outdoor product re retailer, REI, which will give its workers the day off, not only on Thanksgiving, but on Black Friday, too. Loser, Macy's for saying that workers will have to skip out on Thanksgiving dinner and report to work at 6 p.m. on the holiday. Runner-up, Win Buffet in Alexandria, Virginia, for being ordered to pay back more than $225,000 in wages to workers allegedly forced to work overtime without pay for as much as two years. Those people must have been desperate for a job. I would say so. Yeah. Uh, there's so much going on here. So so much stuff. I I can't even contain most of it. My own mind. What's going on with Julian Assange? I saw that. Yeah, well. Is he, is he still in the embassy in Britain? Yeah. Because he hasn't been able to uh, get out. Well, here, this, this is uh, Operation Naked King. A secret DEA sting in Bolivia confirms Evo Morales' fears about.
Morales then embarked on his own strategy of combating drug trafficking by working cooperatively with cocoa growers to diversify crops and promote alternative development. His government's efforts were largely effective. The United Nations announced last month that the cultivation of cocoa leaf in Bolivia has fallen to a 13-year low. Despite that victory, the DEA announced plans this week to officially decertify Bolivia, a bureaucratic move that would cost Bolivia financial assistance and amounts to an accusation by the DEA that Bolivia is not sufficiently cooperative in combating drug trafficking. We speak to Nick Wing of the Huffington Post and Catherine Lederbeur, Director of Indian Information Network. That's where they got the information. Amy Goodwin. She apparently had something to do with this. Oh, this is democracy now. Yeah, okay. Right. That's well, the same thing. Yeah, That's a well, synopsis. You can get, here's some, here's some words from, on it, on a video that we have. As we turn to an explosive new report that claims the U.S. government has secretly targeted Bolivian President Evo Morales with a drug sting code named Operation Naked King. The report just released by the Huffington Post today draws on court documents filed by a longtime DEA confidential informant, Carlos Toro. It appears to confirm Morales' longstanding suspicion that the U.S. Drug Enforcement Administration, or DEA, has sought to undermine Morales' government. In 2008, Morales expelled the DEA from Bolivia, accusing the agency of bribing police officers, violating human rights, covering up murders, and destroying infrastructure. Morales then embarked on his own strategy of combating drug trafficking by working cooperatively with coca growers to diversify crops and promote alternative development. His government's efforts were largely effective. The United Nations announced last month the cultivation of coca leaf in Bolivia has fallen to a 13-year low. Despite that victory, the DEA announced this week plans to officially decertify Bolivia, a bureaucratic move that would cost Bolivia financial assistance and amounts to an accusation by the DEA that Bolivia is not sufficiently cooperative in combating drug trafficking. For more, we're joined by two guests in Washington, D.C. Nick Wing is with us, a reporter at the Huffington Post who just broke this story called Operation Naked King, U.S. secretly targeted Bolivia's Eva Morales and drug sting. And from Cochabamba, Bolivia, we're joined by Democracy Now! video stream by Catherine Lediber, director of Andean Information Network. We welcome you both to Democracy Now! Nick Wing, lay out what you learned. Well, uh, we learned through the the complaint filed by Carlos Toro, uh, that there are a number of sealed indictments against officials who are either connected to or actually in the uh, top ranks of, of the administration, uh, of the Morales administration. And uh, we don't know a whole lot ex exactly about what the evidence uh, against these individuals is, but we do know that there was enough to secure these indictments. And um, we have also known for a while that uh, the U.S. is interested in trying to connect the Morales administration to uh, cocaine trafficking. Uh, I, w I would point out that the previous, two of the previous uh, drug czars for Bolivia have been implicated in, in sort of the top ranks of, of some sort of uh, drug trafficking scandals, and uh, it's been known for a while that that members of the military and, and particularly the police have also been involved in this. So, so we're not exactly sure what the evidence against these individuals 
uh, is or what the status of this case is right now, but we do know that there was enough to get a sealed indictment against them. Now, the president himself, Evo Morales, is a former coca grower. Um, can you talk about what the U.S.'s motives are um, and what their relationship with Morales has been? I would say, I mean, the answer to that question definitely depends on, on whom you ask. Uh, Morales, for a long time, has has accused the DEA of really uh, being an arm for sort of Western imperialism and colonialism and, and being in the country, really, to undermine his leadership and undermine his, his uh, role and his role as someone who is trying to uh, cut down uh, the growth of coca in, in Bolivia. So he would say that this is an effort, I'm, I'm guessing that he would say this is an effort to, to further undermine him and to, to try to link his administration uh, to, to a cocaine trafficking ring, which then they could use to say that not only is his, uh, are his efforts to cut down production ineffective, but they're also corrupt. Um, now I'm guessing the DEA would say this is just an honest effort to take uh, cocaine off of the global marketplace. But there would probably be a big disagreement there between the two of them. In 2010, <clears throat> Democracy Now! broadcast from the World People's Conference on Climate Change and co- uh, that's enough. Okay. I, um, it's kind of obvious to me, don't you think? Mm-hmm. Huh? Mm-hmm. What? No, it's it's a very troubling report. Oh, it is? Very troubling, I think. Oh, interesting one. Yeah, I know. Danny Glover was calling for a boycott of Israel. Uh, other protests, screening of documentary in Tel Aviv called to boycott Israel. I don't know what that's all about. Well, let's check it out. Uh, they're extremely racist there. You no. Know, Danny Glover is one among several celebrities who on Tuesday called for a boycott of Israel. The celebrities are featured in a documentary film entitled American Revolutionary, The Evolution of Grace Lee Boggs, which is being screened at the Doc Aviv Festival in Tel Aviv. We stand in solidarity with the people of Palestine and support their call for cultural and academic boycott of Israel. Twelve signatories said in a statement quoted by JNS. The signatories include Grace Lee Boggs herself, said they were shocked about the film screening at Doc Aviv on May 13th and 15th, <clears throat> which was scheduled without our knowledge. We immediately took action to have the film withdrawn from the festival. They were quoted as having said, the festival organizers and film producers informed us that this was not possible and they would move forward with the screening over our objections. The statement was condemned by Ronald S. Lauder, president of the World Jewish Congress. It's time for Hollywood, actors, producers, and others to speak out against those within their own ranks who demonize Israel. Danny Glover supported a boycott of Israel in 2009 and it therefore comes as no surprise that he does not wish the movie to be screened in Israel. Let's see. 
we call on America's film industry to speak out. Uh, okay, he doesn't want it to be filmed. He, it's time that those in Hollywood stand, okay, Glover and others who are the latest celebrities to call for a boycott of Israel. One of the most prominent voices has been musician Roger Walters, who last week called on Rolling Stones to cancel plans for their up-and-coming Israel debut. In December, Waters compared Israel to Nazi Germany, saying in an interview, the situation of, between Israel and Palestine with the occupation, the ethnic cleansing, and the systematic racist apartheid Israeli regime is unacceptable. Uh, let's see. At the same time, there have been some actors and musicians who have refused to boycott Israel. One is actress Scarlett Johansson, she, who have refused to back down from an advertising campaign for SodaStream. That's an Israeli company. Last year, popular rhythm and blues artist Alicia Keys refused to cave into pressure by anti-Israeli activists. People so, don't even realize that they are avoiding anything really hot or really cold, and they just figured this, their teeth are sensitive, there's nothing they can do about it, and they weren't really aware that uh, there's an easy, easy solution to it. When I've had people switch to Sensodyne toothpaste, they're amazed how comfortable suddenly things become. Sensodyne desensitizes the tooth from the Sorry, painful folks, stimuli, the cold, the hot. Now from. they can drink a glass of ice water. Neither do I. <laughs> so there are a number of celebrities who are boycotting this festival, and there are other celebrities who are supporting yeah. it. That's weird. I, I hate pop-ups. I can't believe Here's another interesting one. I know, I know this is Union Night and so on, but, you know, it's a, we don't get a chance. To, it seems like there's a lot of information here about things. Uh, Henry Seigman, uh, Seigman, the leading U.S. Jewish voice for peace, give up on Netanyahu and go, uh, let's see, give up on Netanyahu and go to the United Nations. Jewish and Palestinian women are holding a hunger strike outside of Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu's residence in Jerusalem to call for a renewal of peace negotiations. Members of the group Women Wage Peace have been fasting for the past month in alternative and uh, alternating shifts, sitting in an open-air tent and inviting guests and pies to discuss how best to wage peace. Uh, is that it's a lot of it's, uh, so you can check out Democracy Now! and find all those articles. Uh, yeah, Bernie supports apartheid. Yeah, he did. Yeah. That's too bad, because there are many uh, Jews who don't. Oh, tons of them. Most Jews don't. Don't unless, support unless that. They, yeah, yeah. yeah but, and uh, if they get pulled down by the ones who, it's the only ones that seem to have a voice are the ones that support those kind of horrible things. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Scientists may have just discovered a parallel universe leaking into ours. I wonder what that means, uh, leaking into ours. Uh, a few stars have crept in, uh, other than Hollywood stars? Uh, parallel universe. Love it. We may have just for the first time ever caught a tantalizing glimpse of a parallel universe bumping against our own. Uh, scientists say that signals from the furthest reaches of space suggest that the fabric of our universe is being disrupted by another universe. The discovery 
could pro- provide proof of the multi-universe theory, which says that there are many alternate universes. We have just for the first time ever caught a, a momentous glimpse of a parallel universe bumping against our own. Um, Scientists say that the signals from the furthest reaches of space suggest that the fabric of our universe is being disrupted by another universe. Discovery could provide proof of the multiverse theory, which says that there are... are I just read that. Yeah. Oh, I thought that, that was a new paragraph. Uh, Dr. Rangaram Cherry, a researcher at the California Institute of Technology in Pasadena, examined data from the cosmic microwave background gathered by the European Space Agency's Planck Space Telescope. Within this glow left over from the moments after the Big Bang, well, they did just determined there wasn't a Big Bang. He discovered a number of spots where the microwave light was far brighter than it should be. He claims that that these may be signals caused by the interaction between our universe and another one a few hundred thousand years after the Big Bang around 13.8 billion years ago. Yeah, that's kind of weird. Mm-hmm. But anyway, the existence of multiple universes, a multiverse, has been considered scientifically plausible. If all these universes emerge from the Big Bang, then they're likely sitting together in a row, vibrating, uh, according to the theory. Um, yeah. uh, I don't know. Well, again, the two bubbles, bump, bubbles bumping into each other, these called so-called bubble universes, which are expanding within the universe, multiverse, bumped into each other as they expanded after the Big Bang and leaving an imprint on each other's outer surface. I don't know what all that means, really, Leo. Well, justifying their salaries, I guess. We watched we watched the, we watched the uh, Big Bang uh, Theory instead. That's yeah, we watched the Big Bang Theory. We got a kick out of that, you know. Here's something. Remember BP? Uh, BP. Yeah, yeah. What about him? BP was charged with a 25 billion environmental health and safety penalties since 2010. The oil and gas industry overall paid more in these kinds of penalties than any other industry, nearly $32 billion since 2010, followed by pharmaceuticals, $13 billion, utility and power generation companies, $3 billion, and the auto and chemical industries. Now, it's possible to keep tabs on companies that are the largest corporate environmental health and safety violators thanks to Violation Tracker. Violation Tracker databases includes about 100,000 cases with penalties of 5,000 or more initiated by 13 federal agencies. Good Job's first analysis of top corporate offenders using Violation Tracker found large corporations were responsible for the vast majority of major penalties. Companies on the Fortune 500 and the non-U.S. portion of the Fortune Global 500 accounted for more than 80% of violation tracker's total penalty universe. Foreign companies operating in the U.S. also represented a large share of the violations. Violation Tracker makes it easier to hold corporate violators accountable because it allows the user to follow the company's track record through its subsidiary relationships across federal agencies and across geographies highlighting patents 
where they may not have been otherwise become evident. So that's good. So they can keep track of all these violations. Well, I hope they do something about it now that they're keeping track of it. I agree with you. You know, keeping track of it is just the first step. Now, besides the penalties, they need to make it more public. So, what are you watching here, Leo? No, it's just that uh, there's something there, Hannity's, Hannity and Trump. I, this might be worth, it's probably about 20 minutes, 15 minutes, uh, 15, not 15 minutes, 40 seconds. Here's a quick little interview to listen to, yeah. folks. Yeah. This is uh, Sean Hannity, um, Fox News discusses uh, the strategy, uh, Trump strategy. strategy and suggests that the other candidates avoid spending millions of dollars on attack ads against them. Let's <laughs> see if I can get this to go. No volume. If they hit you with ads and they're willing to spend tens of millions of dollars, are you saying that you will respond with at least an equal amount of money, if not more? Yeah, we're going to respond. And so far they have not hit me, and I'd rather have that from the standpoint that I think it's better for them. I think it's better for me. I think it's better for everybody. Uh, if they hit me, though, I will hit them at least as hard and maybe double and triple as hard. So we'll see. But so far they haven't. And I think really what the Republicans have to do is speak positively, not negatively. I think the negative ads are going to hurt the Republicans much more so than it's going to hurt me. I really believe it's going to be bad for a lot of people. Well, he's probably right about that. Probably. So, I think we're at a lot of these already. Yeah, I'm just looking at new ones here, so. Uh,
benefit China and other non-TPP countries. So why would you want that? That's the Trans-Pacific Partnership. We had a landslide loss, and the guy was from originally from Connecticut that won. Oh, this guy over here in Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's kind of a bizarre thing. I, I don't, I don't understand Kentucky too well. I, I don't really know anything about it either. Other than Jim Webb was very, he's from West Virginia, and, mm-hmm. um, and that was very, very, very poor, and he tried, he tried to get some kind of a. Concern for them, for that area, but they seem to be shooting themselves in their in their own foot there. Democrats outspend and outpoll Republican novice Matt Bevin, and expect their candidate, Attorney General Jack Conway, to keep the Kentucky governorship in Democratic hands. Yet it had been for all but one term of the last century. No kidding. And instead. Tea Partier Bevan, who had previously challenged Mitch McConnell for the GOP nomination for senator and lost big, pulled off a nearest landslide victory with an 85,000-vote margin. Holy cow. Uh, in beating his Democrat opponent, Attorney General Jack Conway, by mo- almost nine percentage points, Mr. Bevan, 48, um, uh, shocked people in his own party who believed that the climate in Kentucky was ripe for a Republican but feared that Mr. Bevan, a charismatic conservative with a go-get-it-out-of-own-attitude or style, had too, was too far out of the mainstream and too inexperienced to win. But in a year when other siders like Donald Trump and Ben Carson have captured the attention of voters in the Republican uh, presidential race, Mr. Bevan tendency to thumb his nose at the political establishment, coupled with President Obama's deep unpopularity here, helps him upend uh, Kennedy, uh, Kentucky's political status quo. Um, and uh, Richard Bayer emails, uh, I was in Kentucky eight days last month and everyone thought Conway would win. And Conway, uh, Bevan ran against Mitch McConnell and da da yeah, pretty hard right guy. Um, uh, this will be a boost for cruise backers uh, that very conservative candidates can win. Oh, despite Bevin's unorthodox, underfunded, and often criticized campaign, as recently as mid-October, national Republicans were not spending money in the contest. His team insisted throughout the race that its candidates' ideological leanings on everything from abortion rights to Obamacare to school choice more in line with Kentucky voters and it would allow them to survive a huge monetary disadvantage. Even with the late help from the RGA, Democrats outspend Republicans in the contest, $8.75 million to $5.5 million. Bevin refused to spend heavily out of his own pocket in the general election and struggled to build a war chest while dealing with Kentucky's low $1,000 contribution limits. The route was pretty complete. The incumbent governor, Steve Bashir, is a Democrat, as is every other statewide office holder except outgoing agricultural commissioner, James Comer. Democrats also control one chamber of the state legislature. Slature, excuse me. Uh, let's see. Republicans now go from one to four six statewide offices in the Kentucky government, and Bevin's running mate is 
Janine Hampton, who will become Kentucky's first African-American to hold statewide office. Obamacare was the key issue. Kentucky's outgoing Democratic Governor Steve Beshear was a huge Obamacare booster and ran a big state exchange and Medicare expansion in Kentucky. Just today, Bashir was quoted in the Washington Post toting Obamacare as a political winner. You can't tell me there's a pent-up demand and a craving for access to health care. He said in an interview here, people came out of the woodwork in droves wanting to find out about this. Okay, this is a winner for our people because it's a winner. This is a winner for our people because it's a winner for our people. It's going to be a winner politically. Bashir has been publicly attacking Bevin for saying he'd roll back his signature initiative. He understands this is now a popular issue for Kentuckians, and he's trying to find a, a way out of it. Yeah. Yep. Oh, anyway, that's, that's pretty cool. So that's, um, that's an interesting American thing. thinker. Yeah. I understand why. So I don't understand the blue collar mentality. I, 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 the poor vote to be more poor. You know, mm -hmm. they just they just vote against themselves. They don't. Uh, uh, and they don't want any me medical care. No, I, I don't understand what they want. Yeah. But anyway, anyway. I'll just read and see what it says. It's pretty pukey. Um, I'm not a big Hillary Clinton fan, I have to say. Uh, neither of us are. I know. In fact, we, we, we can't even consider voting for her. But public service workers are following the presidential election closely. We care deeply about our communities, and we know all too well the terrible costs to working families when corporate-backed extremists take the reins of government. I agree with what she's saying, but you know that her husband had a horrible track record. Yes. And you know that her, her first foray into government, she was on the Watergate Commission, and she was thrown off for corruption. I mean, she just has a bad track record. She wasn't saying anything good until she sucked some of the things from Bernie Sanders. Yes. And... Um, I don't believe a he, word he she gave says. It to he gave it yeah. to her. and he's yeah. given her a. Pay. I don't believe a word she says. I no, just I don't. don't. I don't her husband was a liar. I didn't vote for him because I felt he was corrupt and a morally bad person. As it turned out, I was right, and I think she's the same way. I can't vote for somebody that I know that's like that. It's different if you vote for somebody and you think they're not like that. You know, you want to. But this person I know. Yeah, when you find out they are. Yeah, I mean, it's like with, with Hillary. You already know it. You know what she is, and you you know what she is, and you know what her husband is, and you know what she represents, and I mean, she's just, just come on, God, the ultimate hypocrisy of this nation centers in that one character right there, Hillary Clinton. I just can't compromise like that with her. I just can't. But she says, "Oh, I believe when unions are strong, America is strong." Yeah, until they. And I don't know. She, I, gets, I just she gets don't. the backing, and then all of a sudden she screws them all. I just so don't believe it. That's her way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She'll uh, hang you out to dry like uh, like Benghazi. Yeah. Public service workers are following the presidential election closely. 
We deeply care about our communities, and we know it's due well the terrible cost of working families. But anyway, we see this election as one of the most important elections in our lifetime. The next president will determine if CEOs and corporations can keep manufacturing the rules in their own favor, or if working people will get a fair shot at sustaining our families and getting ahead, not just struggling to get by. And she's saying all the things that I believe, but I don't... Can't no, believe she's, her. Not, she's not saying this. Athens is saying this, okay? Mm-hmm. Thinking that this is what she she's supposed to believe. But you know, it's this kind of thing that makes people that turns people off to the unions, you know, because they know. I mean, it 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 just turns them right off to, to all unions, and it just makes them. Well, uh, I think I think people know. are very discouraged at the caliber of candidates. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. like. You know, you get you got a cast of clowns for the Republican Party. You, you can't you just see them in a clown car all hanging out yeah, the window? Yeah, yeah, and you got a and you got a, a group of mannequins up against uh, Hillary. You know. Yeah, and, and uh, that's it. you know, I just um, other people can support her. I mean, I I just can't. Yeah, she's doing. That's my personal yeah, view. That's all. Yeah. But here, I want to move on to. Um, Two retirements. Just think about this, folks. Here's a tale of two retirements among the key findings. The company-sponsored retirement assets of 100 CEOs adds up to as much as the entire retirement count savings of 41% of American families. The 100 largest CEO retirement accounts are worth an average of more than $49.3 million, enough to generate a $277,686 monthly retirement wait, wait, check. Wait, 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 wait. Did, did you say it's a million or a billion? $49.3 million. That's, that's, that's it? No, the hundredth largest. You're not listening. Yeah. The hundredth largest CEO retirement accounts right. are worth an average. So each one yeah. is worth forty-nine point three million dollars. Okay. Their personal retirement accounts. Wow. Enough to generate a two hundred and seventy-seven thousand six hundred and eighty-six dollar monthly retirement check for each executive for the rest of their lives. Yeah. Lives. Fortune 500 CEOs have $3.2 billion in special tax-deferred compensation accounts that are exempt from the annual contribution limits imposed on ordinary Americans. So we can only contribute so much, but they can contribute anything they want. Yeah. And not be taxed. Yeah. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah. In 2014... These CEOs saved $78 million on their tax bills by putting $197 million more in these tax-deferred accounts that they could have that they, it, than they could have if they were subject to the same rules as other workers. Yeah. These special accounts grew tax-free until the executives retire and begin to withdraw their funds. The 10 largest CEO retirement funds, all held by white males, add up to $1.4 billion, compared with $280 million for the 10 largest firms, funds held by female CEOs. 
Among ordinary Americans, 62% of working-age African Americans and 69% of Latinos have no retirement savings, compared with 37% of white workers. David Novak of Young Brands has the largest retirement nest egg in the Fortune 500 in 2014 with $234 million, while hundreds of thousands of Taco Bell, Pizza Hut, and KFC employees have no company retirement assets whatsoever. Amazing. So that's it. Oh, um, not yeah. not too much for ordinary Americans. Yeah. We don't get the special deals that these big CEOs who are so wealthy get. They have a lot, and they get more tax deferred than you could ever imagine. Yeah. Well, you know, Lila and I have been independent people for quite a long time. High school girls are forced to undress next to naked boys. Federal government declared itself fit for the madhouse by mandating a high school allow a biological male into the girls' locker room. Uh, for this is for he's a transvestite or oh, trans, I, I transsexual or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy's a trans transsexual, I guess. Uh, let me just read it quick. On Monday, the federal government declared itself, uh, as you said, uh, the feds have ruled that the presence of a twig and berries in the girls, <laughs> a twig and berries in the girls' uh, locker room has been mandated by Title uh, IX of the Civil Rights Act. Yes, ladies and gents, the non, the, what is it? The non cisgenders. It turns out. Like nonsense. Oh. Uh, it turns out that the battle against sexism enshrined in the ill-written Title IX was actually intended. It was actually intended for what? Uh, to force underage young women to look at the body parts of boys. And, well, that's kind of disgusting. Uh, old boys. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well. Okay. Well, let's see what this crazy thing says here. Put that on for yeah, let's see. This is the U.S. school violated the transgender students' rights. Honda knows that getting ahead has its advantages. All you had to do was exit out. No, I, I can't do that because you got to wait for a minute with a damn thing. And then, they, then, then you wind up with a, with, a, with a full ad. God. Uh, anyway, it's, uh, do you want, you want to go to that or what? No. I don't really care. Uh, great shot there. I think they maybe have to redo their locker room then. <laughs> I've never been in a girls' locker room where you went dressed out in public, publicly like that. They're all individual uh, places where you have... Uh, <laughs> Turkey with breasts. Oh, that's very unattractive. Uh, Sweden's having yeah, a problem with refugees, yeah, apparently. Yeah, they're having a bad time, yeah. Uh, Canada's new prime minister appoints a 50% female cabinet on his first day in office. 
tell your women and young women in particular that this world is about you. You have to move beyond the old boys network. That's true. And it goes on a little. little. But isn't that nice? Mm. That's good. That's good. It's good to be that way. Anything else that we can uh, tickle your fancy with here? Um, <laughs> oh my God! Number Denver trick or treaters dosed with pot edibles. Oh, zero. Well, that's interesting. What's up? Oh, well, I guess they thought that people were gonna put pot edibles in their trick or treats. Nobody last did. year, no. Last year, the Denver Police Department of Smart, Colorado, an organization concerned about youth access to marijuana, hyped up the possibility of pot edibles uh, uh, being handed out as Halloween treats. Um, um, after, as we pointed out, the number of reports about such issues topped out at zero, meaning that there were no incidents of individuals passing out THC-infused sweets to random kids. This year, Thomas Michael noted both the DPD and the Smart Colorado dialed down the scare tactics in contrast to the agency in Florida. For instance, yeah, so they, they, they have a big scare thing about, uh, about pot in, in Florida, but not so much in <laughs> okay. Uh, There's going to be a new tax. It's going to cost more for people to go to the emergency room. In a new poll, 70% of our emergency physicians say that patients with health insurance are delaying seeking emergency medical care because of high deductibles, copays, and coinsurance. Supporters of the so-called Cadillac's tax on expensive health care plans say increases. An out-of-pocket requirements are a good thing that will lead to a decrease in unnecessary care. But research suggests that the tax, which goes into effect in 2018 as part of the Affordable Care Act, will also result in people who are sick getting fewer health care services than they need to get healthy or manage their illness. In recent years, out-of-pocket expenses for working people to pay to use their health insurance have been increasing. The Kaiser Family Foundation found that since 2010, both the share of workers with deductibles and the size of those deductibles have increased sharply. These two trends together result in a 67% increase in deductibles since 2010, much faster than the rise in single premiums, 24%, and seven times the rise in workage wages, 10%, and general inflation, 9%. Because deductibles are increasing much faster than wages, patients aren't seeing the slowdown in health spending that had been in the news lately. The survey of emergency physicians led to similar conclusions as other research. A new study published last week examined 75,000 people who switched from a health plan with no deductibles to one with a $3,000 deductible. Patients in the study reduced health care across the board, both services they thought were necessary and those that were unnecessary. Well, here's something kind of interesting. 
Geographic, then lays off award-winning staff. Oh, great. Imagine The memo went out on November 3rd, 2015, as yesterday, and it came to the National Geographic office. This was the day in which Rupert Murdoch's 21st Century Fox took over National Geographic. The management of National Geographic sent out an email telling its staff, all of its staff, all to report to their headquarters and wait for their phones by their phones, and to pull back every person who was in the field, every photographer, every reporter, even those on vacation had to show up on this fateful day. And those these phones rang one by one. The National Geographic let go the awarding winning staff, and the vulnerable uh, institution was no more. The name now belongs to Rupert Murdoch, and he has plans for it. The CEO of National Geographic, Greg Nell, tried to claim back in September that there won't be an editorial turn in a direction that is different from National Geographic heritage. But Murdoch's move today only served to prove Nell's words uh, were hollow with hundreds of talented people now serve their pink slips and the recognition that Murdoch's other enterprises do not reflect the standards held by National Geographic. Mm -hmm. And with Murdoch's history of changing the editorial direction of the uh, purchase properties, Today, uh, today's move indicates that he can expect a, a similar shift for National Geographic. And National Geographic's weakness has been its cable channel. Uh, while it does uh, feature many pieces of scientific endeavors, it also has featured shows such as Doomsday Preppers and Chasing UFOs, which lack much of the respectability of a print medium magazine. And they have uh, since been removed uh, from the special schedule, but the damage to the channel's reputation remains and reflects poorly upon National Geographic itself. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's interesting. The National Geographic Society has long stood for science, research, and investigation. Murdoch's companies have long stood against adultery, <laughs> and the two positions would be in conflict, said Murdoch's company is firmly in control. The editorial changes will therefore be severe and erode the 127 years of publication publication excellence. From the men and women who bought National Geographic to worldwide prominence, the termination of employment is a tragic end both for the hardworking people and for National Geographic itself. So, it's too bad. Yeah. That's That's why we try to advocate for unions because at least in a union you got a shot, you know, of, of keeping, of, of your keeping job. a job. You know, but you take a guy like Murdoch. I mean, I, I can't believe he laid off the entire National Geographic Society. It's amazing, that whole stuff. Uh, What's he going to do with the name? Keep it, I guess. He just, he'll keep it. He just, he'll just uh, crap on it. That's basically it. Like he did the Wall Street Journal. Yeah. Recognition Day. Uh, 
Nobody said that. No. That's been forgotten. Those people are forgotten. So, yeah. It's just really sad. Wow. Dubstep. I don't know what that is. Dubstep violinist. Is she a... I don't know. Is that a group? Lindsay Sterling. Uh, six million dollars on YouTube without a record label. Yeah. Labels are desperate to sign her, but she is succeeding without support of the industry. For her. Good for her. Young girl. Violinist. Uh, yeah, it says, uh, uh, dear struggling rock bands, you might be doing it wrong. Meet Lindsay Sterling, uh, or, or a.k.a. Lindsay Stomp, a violinist, uh, dubset musician, and fantasy enthusiast who has created a mini internet empire. Really? Good for her. Sterling brought home $6 million in 2015, according to Forbes a list of world top earnings, YouTube stars. Uh, watch her Wild Wild West and Game of Thrones inspired video to for round table rival and Dragon Age for the example of Sterling's amazing nerdy sensibilities. Let's watch this. So I, can, so this so I don't know whether the folks at home will be able to hear well, it. Well, I think so. <laughs> Oh. 
But it seemed quite repetitive to me, and I don't know anything about, about ten, music. About ten repeating notes. Uh, uh, well, God bless made her. She made a whole lot of money. Good for her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, Dragon Age, or Dragon Round Table Revival. Table rivals, well, go on to YouTube, folks, and you can find it if you like yeah, it. Yeah, there's one called Dragon Age, which is another one, I guess. You I think one was enough. folks and see ya